Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. I am so excited for you all to listen to this episode. I have a conversation with Julia Abodo, who is an absolutely incredible person. And as you'll see, as you listen to this episode, she is actually a certified master hypnotherapist and NLP master practitioner. And she focuses a lot on how to reprogram the subconscious mind through hypnosis, which is incredibly powerful because you basically get to bypass your conscious mind and get straight to the subconscious, which is creating everything in our reality. It's an incredibly transformative and powerful way to go about manifestation. So we talk a lot about how to manifest through hypnosis, right? How to work with your subconscious um, what kinds of shifts you can have through hypnosis sessions, what that actually means, you know? Does hypnosis mean so when it's controlling your mind? Because that's, and I know, a big question that I had growing up. I always thought hypnosis was this big, scary thing. And so we talk a lot about the fears surrounding hypnosis. We talk a little about money mindset, and then we get into anti-racism and oppression. And I love the conversation that we had and And the way that, you know, Juliet truly describes and breaks everything down is so, so, so powerful. And she really helps to explain the way our brains work and how even though many people do not consider themselves to be racist, your subconscious mind has been programmed by the world that you are living in, right? And this goes for racism, this goes for beliefs around money, this goes for beliefs around self. And so we talk about how you can actually start to move through these limiting belief systems existing in your subconscious mind, which can manifest as lack of money, lack of love for self or others, burnout, stagnation, racism. There's so many different ways our subconscious mind can sabotage us. And Julia also breaks down the way that racism was created to basically support capitalism. And it's a very important distinction, I think, for people to understand, especially with the Black Lives Matter movements going on. There's a lot of, uh, I think, confusion around racism and whether or not it is a problem because many people only look at what they are consciously aware of. And yeah, you might say, I'm not racist. I like black people, right? But your subconscious mind says something different and it's not necessarily your fault. This is the system that we grow up in. And it's really important for everyone to have this awareness, especially right now as there are mass awakenings going on and we're moving toward this new earth. We're all basically together manifesting this new version of the world that we desire to live in where there is more freedom, more equality, and more love for everyone. And I think that we can all agree, no matter your opinions, that we all want more love, we all want more freedom, and we all want more equality for everyone. And in this episode, 
Juliet basically breaks down how we can make all of that happen by working with our subconscious mind. So I'm going to let her do the talking. Without further ado, here she is. Welcome to the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. I am so excited to have you here, Julia. And if you want to maybe tell everyone who doesn't know you, maybe just like who you are and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a master hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner. Um, I also train hypnotherapists and NLP practitioners. I launched my practice about um, a year and a half ago. And it was originally started as a company where we provided mindset support for entrepreneurs and startup founders in addition to funding. But then I moved away from funding and now solely focus on mindset for entrepreneurs and um, leaders in the corporate space. So these programs and these sessions that I have are geared towards like high achievers because we put a lot of stress on ourselves. So the main issues that I focus on with high achievers is burnout, procrastination, fear of failure, and fear of success. Mm, that's I can't wait to get into all of this because just listening to that, I'm like, yep, <laughs> I've had that fear. I've had that fear. I've had that fear. And I know it can be really difficult, especially for, like you said, high achievers to overcome some of these roadblocks. But I'm curious first, like, how did you get into what you teach, like the NLP and the hypnosis? Uh, because I don't know many people who, who go about it the way you do. And I know you do absolutely incredible work. So how did, how did you get into that practice? Yeah. So um, I, when I graduated, I, I graduated with my psych degree and I was going to become a psychiatrist. Um, but after I took the MCATs and I was applying to med school, I, I just, it didn't feel right. And so I went into um, the tech industry and I focused on tech sales And so with um, sales, there's a lot of psychology involved because it's not really just about buying the product, but really understanding how the product fits into your life. So as I was in sales, um, I took an NLP sales training and um, I also went under hypnosis like for a breakup. So I knew of these concepts while I was working in corporate. But then when I left, um, I kind of forgot everything and then I started my businesses. But then I hit a wall because I became burnt out because I was doing Mm. way too much. And um, I found a program where I was hypnotizing the program that just reminded me of like these tools that are available out there for you. And I, I didn't see anyone really like focus on helping, like everyone was focused on money, you know? But it's like, okay, once you get the money, what about everything Everything else? (laughs) Like, oh, I got the money, but now I'm really tired. I can't sleep. And I'm, you know, so much going on. And so as I was training for it, um, I went through, you know, the transformation because it's like I I needed it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized that these tools are just really essential. And I feel like a lot of times we focus on coaching versus healing when it's like, you know what you need to do. You just need to give yourself permission, but oftentimes you're wounded. So you can't even bring up the energy to give yourself permission. And so once I realized that and um, started taking on clients, 
it, it's like we focus on money, but then it shifts to like, you know, fear of failure and all these other things. And so as my practice grew, I started to see the commonalities between like, all my clients are from different backgrounds, but these strings of commonalities based on their personalities and where they fit in in life. So a lot of um, millennials and older Gen Z, you have this idea of, like you don't want to be basic, you know? So we have this idea that just being comfortable is basic. So we strive to be extraordinary, but with validation from social media or people in our space, like, oh, you work at this startup? Oh, you work for Lyft? You work for Airbnb? You work for these people? Or, or um, if you have a career, like, oh no, I'm a, a coder, I design, I do this, like, we don't want to be ordinary, mm-hmm. but, at, but then it's like, you're doing it for other people. So when you get these accomplishments, they feel so hollow, you know, because you're doing it for other people, not for yourself. So I feel like there's now this shift, especially with the pandemic, where people are like, I was doing all that <laughs> stuff. It wasn't for- even for me. It wasn't for me. Yeah. I just want to farm. <laughs> you know, I just, like, chill. I just want to live in the suburbs and just like relax. And yeah. That's okay. Yeah, totally. And I saw that in my own life. Like I was doing all these things. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Then I thought I wanted to get a corporate job. And I did all of these different things. And what I've realized now looking back is I mistook everyone else's desires for me as my own desires. And I really was trying to appease everyone else. So I totally relate to everything you're saying. And something you said, it gave me total full body chills when you said um, it was something along the lines of we're doing too much coaching and not enough healing, right? Or not actually letting ourselves feel the feels and like dive into the wounds that are creating this, you know, whatever causes us to chase these things that aren't truly our soul's desires. And so how does that fit into every, you know, the way that that you help people? Um, what is that fine line between coaching versus helping people heal? So so essentially, when I help people heal, I allow them to start coaching themselves. Because you, you already know what you want to do and how to get there. Um, so a lot of times, it's just a lot of emotions that are clouding the path. So um, when you heal, it's like that fogginess kind of dissipates like the fog like clears away and you you know exactly what you do and it's a simpler blueprint than you thought especially if it's you don't need validation from outside sources it's just like something you need to do so then you can just do it quick and dirty you know it doesn't have to be pretty it's just you just get it done and then you feel good once it's done so i i realized like when i was um because i with my packages like i had some coaching available but it's like, that's not really where I see myself fitting in because essentially you don't need me to hold you accountable when it's something that you, accountability, um, reminders, all this stuff. When you really want to do something, you do it. We all remember when we had this, like for school, your, your mom or your parents would be like, wake up. And you're like, oh God. <laughs> but it's for a school trip, you, like have your clothes next to you. You're like, I can't wait to wake up. you like have your lunch next to your clothes like you are ready (laughs) your mom's okay you're like oh you made your like yes 
I made my lunch. Like you're ready. That to was knock. so me. Yeah. Your mom comes to knock on the door. You're like, Hey, I'm ready. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, you know what you want to do and what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as, as adults, you have, this is freedom that we dreamt of when we were kids, but we f- kind of forgot how to dream when you become an adult. Mm. So we kind of take on, we look at people and we think what dreams are supposed to look like and how your business, even when you start your business, how your business is supposed to look like, I need to have a system. I need to have a team. I need to have office space. I need to have this. But then when you heal your inner child, it's almost like you go back to yourself and what you truly wanted like why you're really here and you could have done a whole bunch of stuff in your past life so this life you're like i just want to chill out for a bit you know i just want to you know work a nine to five and have like two kids and a dog like this is what i want to experience now you know right and you kind of see that with these games that have come up have become really popular since the pandemic. Like everyone now is on Sims and Animal Farm. And what do you do on Animal Farm? You just like create these little simple, simple life. Everyone wants to do that. And you can, you don't have to just mm-hmm. do it again. You can do that in your real life in reality. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like once you heal, you lose the need of, um trying to fulfill other people's expectations of you because you're no longer afraid of letting anyone down you're more afraid of letting yourself down than anyone else Ooh, that's powerful i keep getting chills when you're talking i'm like yeah this resonates so deeply and i want to go back to i know you mentioned past lives and how maybe you were doing all the things in your past life and in this life your soul just wants to chill and for people who are listening who maybe haven't heard much about past lives how can that play into to the healing process so it's like with even if you don't um believe in past lives you can at least believe that your soul has a purpose you know and every soul has a purpose but everyone's purpose is different. Maybe your soul is just here to act as um, inspiration or as a base for maybe your child coming into this world. And then you're a great um, role model or caretaker for them, you know? Or maybe your purpose is to not have kids and just be like the rich auntie that inspires your niece or nephew to follow their dreams. Because it's like, I feel like no matter what, people don't realize how important they are. Like you just waking up in the morning makes 10 people's lives better or affects at least 10 people's lives. Because like you waking up in the morning, that means that your mom or your parent, your dad or your sister can text you and you reply. You're alive. You go to um, the coffee shop and you hold the door for someone you're alive and you did that, you made their day easier. So it's like, you you don't have to like be a superstar. You don't need to be the leader of a startup or a startup founder that gets sold out at 26, you know? You don't need to be a six-figure coach, especially if you live in an area of the US or country where six figures is, is way more than you need, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you have a purpose. And so it's okay if that purpose doesn't look like everyone else's, but it's true to you and you know what it is. Mm, I love that you brought that up because, you know, I think it's really easy to get caught up in, 
I'm not doing enough because, you know, X, Y, and Z people on Instagram are making a million dollars or, you know, I need to become the president or Oprah or something to, to make a difference in the world. And I, I think you're so right. And it's like, okay, everyone take a deep breath, like sigh of relief. You're living your purpose just by being right. Like just by living your life. And that is once again, I just got chills. That is so powerful. Um, and I, I, I just love that. So thank you for bringing that up. And I'm curious when people do come to you and you do these hypnosis sessions, you know, they want to manifest money. And you say, typically, you're not even talking about money when you get into the session, um, mm-hmm. whether it's hypnosis or something else you're doing. So how does that relate, right? Like when we're talking about the fears, how does that relate to what they are actually wanting to manifest? So a lot of times when people want to manifest money, they really want freedom. Mm-hmm. Money is equals freedom to them. Money equals um, safety or um, money equals respect in most cases. So it's like when we do go back to um, healing, we, we, and usually they tell me like, I can get an idea if it's a respect thing or a freedom thing or a safety thing. And so then during a hypnosis session, we talk about the beliefs that were installed to make them feel like they needed money to be free. They needed money to be comfortable and safe. They needed money to be respected. And so when we address that limiting belief, it removes that money block. Because, you know, it's like you're, when you're trying so hard for, to get money for this reason, it kind of creates like a block. So once we release that belief that they need money, the money just comes. Mm. You're releasing the resistance. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. And, you know, I've, I think I mentioned to you before when we talked, I've, I've been under hypnosis once I did a past life regression therapy and it was very powerful for me. Uh, but it was something where I kind of didn't realize the results until like weeks or months later. And I looked back and I was like, Oh wait, that did do something, you know, but I didn't notice it right away. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, is that the way that it usually works when people go under hypnosis is like, they wake up and like, I feel better. It's all gone. Or is it more of like this gradual, you see your life transform as things go on. So usually for me, I know that, um, with my clients, they like to see like instant results. So we talk about their short term, like Mm. what what would make you feel like this work, the short term. And then I do provide auto suggestions for to keep it long term. And then I always get um, DMs or email or something a few weeks afterwards, like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm getting cockier or what's going on, like, but this happened, it happened. It's, you know, so it does, it's, it's almost like kind of like, you know, that evolution chart of man, like becoming from ape yeah. to man. And it's almost like you look back and you're like, oh, I grew. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> and then you, and it's great because like you kind of got rid of that old neural pathway. So you can't go back to that way of thinking. Like you can't, you're like that concept, that logic is no longer a part of you. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. That's amazing. And do you ever have people who are scared of hypnosis? Because I know I've suggested it before to people, friends and family, because I found it so helpful for myself and I've had them just be, <gasps> can't do that. Don't want someone controlling my mind. So, you know, how do you go about people who, who look at hypnosis that way? 
so it's funny. I, you started using an example um, on social, especially with social media, like think memes and songs will go viral with TikTok. So I'm like, if you've ever been walking and you're saying classy, bougie, ratchet, <laughs> you've, already, you've already been hypnotized, okay? <laughs> if you're all of a sudden saying, who's next? Hip Hop Harry, right. you've been hypnotized, okay? Mm. So how about if we did that for like, yes, money, in the, money in the bank, you know? Like all, or love of my life. What if we did that? What if we actually did something that was beneficial to you personally? That's what hypnosis mm. is. <laughs> so instead of you trying to like get TikTok views, you can live the life of your dreams. Wow. Um, you, can, you can do all that stuff because it's like, I, and I explained to them that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. So the fact that you came to book with me, you know, on my website, I don't make it really easy to book. It's like, you have to find it and then you have to click it and then you have to fi- look at each one. You got to know what you're doing. Exactly. And so you make that conscious decision that's pushed, but that subconscious nudge pushed you to that, to make that decision. And so when you book with me, you're already buying into, I'm ready for a change. So when, by the time you come to the session, <laughs> by the time people come to the session, I'm like, and then one day like, <laughs> they're out. Hi. I didn't start. You, you passed up. <laughs> right. That is so funny. They're ready to go. <laughs> I'm like, right. wait, wait, we didn't even like <laughs> music and you're, <laughs> you're passed out. Like what's going on? So people are ready by the time they're, so I don't really um, push people, but I tell them, I say, this is what hypnosis is. You have, imagine you went to the grocery store and you know, nobody wants to take two trips to the car, right? Mm-hmm. but you you have to take multiple trips right now you're living your life you're taking multiple trips to the car because you're trying to carry your groceries with your pinky finger when your ego and your ego is your um index finger but your subconscious is are the rest of your hand and your wrist your subconscious is responsible for all the work and most of your life so wouldn't it be great if you could tell your subconscious exactly what you really wanted it to do because right now you're making multiple trips to the to the car you're wasting time dinner time's over like you're hungry like just use your full hand so it it just makes your life so much easier and then in terms of like goal setting and communication you can imagine like your mind is a newsroom right and then you have your conscious mind your subconscious mind so your conscious mind is in front of the newsroom and it has, it's taking all the information, all the notes, all the stories, tips that are coming in. And now it needs to send this paper, this draft to your subconscious mind in the back of the newsroom. But on the way to you, the, to, to the subconscious mind, you got fear in the way asking if you're, you sure you want to go back there. You have hungers, like, you, you don't want to go to lunch. You have lust, like, look at this. Why don't you just do this? <laughs> You have like procrastination, have a seat. Like, why are you going back there? And imagine if you had, during a hypnosis session, you cleared the path of the newsroom and you're able to really just send the paper, the draft, and your subconscious puts out the daily paper. Because that's exactly what it is. So what if you told, you set a, a time 
where the paper just goes straight back to your subconscious, no matter what, no matter if procrastination, fear, hunger, lust are in the way, it just goes whoop, straight to your subconscious mind. You can set it and forget. Wow. That is such, I've never heard it explained ever like that. <laughs> that is like the clearest I have ever understood hypnosis and working with your subconscious mind. Um, so thank you for that because I think there is a lot of confusion around what hypnosis really does. You know, I know growing up for me, it was just like going to the state fair and seeing people get hypnotized and doing embarrassing things. And like, I don't want to be controlled to do embarrassing things. And that's, I think, at least for me, where a lot of the fear comes from. So that makes total sense. And I understand, you know, how that could be extremely powerful, especially I do a lot of subconscious mind work, but I know that when you're in meditation, it's even more powerful. And I can only imagine how much more powerful hypnosis would be to, to create those suggestions. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that I was reading through some of your, um, the content you put out there cause it's so powerful and incredible. And, um, something that you said that just, I was like, Whoa, was you said intuition is like a car. Uh, no intuition is like a car wash for your brain. Hypnosis is like a tune up and an oil change. And NLP is like a full engine repair. And I read that and I was like, Whoa, <laughs> Wow. So do you want to maybe expand on what that means? Because that was really powerful for me to read. Yeah, because a lot of people ask me, like, what's the difference between meditation and hypnosis? And it's essentially just the amount of how deep you go. Mm -hmm. You know, so a lot of times when people come to me, they like they're like, I don't like to meditate. I don't really meditate because they're not used to communicating with their mind. So essentially hypnosis, I'm opening up the trunk and showing you what each part does. And so once you realize what's under the hood, then you actually care about what you put there and what oil change, what oil you use, what everything that you put in your mind, once you actually understand how it works. And so with meditation, it's just like maintenance, like keeping your car clean, you know, keeping you balanced. Like you already set your goals. You already know subconsciously what you want. So um, with meditation, it's just like, okay, I'm on track, you know, and it's, and the car's clean, everything is, then good, looks good. But then sometimes as you're on your travels on the road, depending if you're in the country, in the city, depending on what you do, you do need to do um, a tune-up, an oil change. Mm -hmm. And so that is what um, NLP, you go in and you change your oil, change the tire, check the pressure. And then if sometimes if you keep going too long, you're going to need to come back for hypnosis and get that deep engine repair. But once you do the deep engine repair, it's all about maintenance. You know, so essentially, like a lot of my clients that I first had when I was in my practice, like now they just continuously use my brain training program. So that's why I have my brain training programs with the hypnosis, the meditation, and the subliminals to help you stay on track with your, because your brain, yeah, yeah. You want to keep it up. And so this way, um, hypnosis continues to work in your favor because a lot of times I know when people come to me, they, they say, Oh, I've been hypnotized before actually. And it didn't really work. And I was like, okay, because when you come in for the deep um, engine repair, essentially, sometimes people like would fix one part of it, but then the, the other part, you know, I'm, I'm clearly I'm not a mechanic. So <laughs> <laughs> like this analogy is tripping me up now 
because <laughs> I don't know about cars. I know nothing. <laughs> sounds great to me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Like, you know the engine. Like, <laughs> so, so you have your check engine light, and you check in the engine, and you do that. You know, usually they do something there and a little there, but they didn't go deep. They didn't mm -hmm. say, oh, actually, you should use this part versus this part. And then you need to make sure that you keep this part aligned, this part. That's why with my, with my sessions, they're two hours, you know? So it's like the first hour, it's, it's conscious work. And then we clear out anything. And then we install the suggestion. Because mm -hmm. you coming in and then all of a sudden, I'm just like, all right, let's just put this part in and put this part in. We didn't clean the engine. We didn't do anything else to double check if that was really the issue. We didn't really take time to, we just did the quick change and quick repair because you're late for work. And so that's why it doesn't last. You know, then you have to come back in. When when you just go in and you, you stay for the day and they check every single aspect of the car out, you're better for it long-term. So a lot, I feel like a lot of people were so used to quick, quick results. And so it's funny as a hypnotherapist, because it is a rapid result, but you have to go deep and then you have to maintain it. So just like you get liposuction um, versus like working out. So when you get liposuction, you have to wear the garment, you have to check the dressing and then you still have to eat right or you'll regain the weight, mm. you know? So it's all about maintenance and then really, and I, too, when I do hypnosis, I think, too, when I do my um, post-hypnotic suggestions, I make sure that the people start to take care of themselves, to put their mind first versus other people's expectations or feelings. Right, which is, I'm sure, easier said than done. You know, but I guess I'm assuming that once you've cleared out some of the beliefs or limiting beliefs that were creating that people-pleasing habit, it's easier to to move away from that, right? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, when we're born, we're the least likely to people please. We're like crying, mm -hmm. we're like, I want food, I need to change it. Like, you you say what you want as a baby. <laughs> you, mm -hmm. You're like, look, you don't have to talk. <laughs> you don't have to talk, you express what you want. You're like, I'm hungry, I'm sleepy, I'm cold, I'm hot, you know? And so we then are programmed to wait for signals. We're programmed then to look at other people's signals and respond. Um, we're, we have to sometimes you have to stop and listen, especially um, if you're a woman too, across all cultures, you still have to, you kind of have to be aware of everyone's intentions and emotions. Mm. And sometimes that it's over yours. Yeah. You know, if you're so busy looking outwards, you forget to look inwards. So, for hypnosis, and a lot of people, the reaction when they say, oh, no, because they don't really spend a lot of time with themselves. Right. Someone was like, I don't know. I'm, someone said, I want to do therapy because I don't know what's going to come up there. And it's like, it's you. You're going to come up. It's you. You don't have to be afraid of yourself. And so when you realize that you don't have to be afraid of yourself anymore and that you have your own back, you never feel lonely. Like when you set a goal, now you're people kind of like oh i want to make um this x to x thousand a month i want to you know that and they're almost like afraid to say it because they don't trust themselves 
we don't we we forget who we, like you were in your mom's womb for nine months with yourself <laughs> no unless you're a twin <laughs> but you're with yourself your thoughts everything so you need to kind of like go back in and say what's up hey sorry i've been ignoring you for this long my bad how you been how, okay so like what this is what i want to do moving forward is that cool with you all right let's do it and, and people are always like, oh, she, uh, you don't talk to yourself. That's crazy. Or the voice in your head, blah, blah, blah. So we push that away. We keep pushing it away. Keep pushing away when we need to embrace it. Talk to yourself. And, yeah. and, and a lot of people, because we're so focused on outer world, we take on the language that our parents or people um, when we were younger spoke around us and spoke to ourselves. So some of, most of our self-talk is really harsh or negative um self-deprecating and it's like <laughs> now does it you know it's like cute and quirky in movies but in real life like you know it's entertaining when the actor actresses do that but in real life like you need to be kinder to yourself you need to trust yourself you need to have your own back because then you won't you won't worry about other people not having your back. And then you also won't question when people do. Because mm -hmm. you'd be like, yeah, I'm bomb. Like, duh. <laughs> or stay like me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I totally get that because I had to basically teach myself, or I guess I should say I had to unlearn, um, you know, to pushing away my intuition. I had to unlearn, you know, that like, no, 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 can't listen to that. Like you said, like, don't talk to yourself. Don't listen to that voice. And that's difficult because you're going against, you know, 20, 30, 40, however many years of programming and conditioning telling you that you're crazy if you listen to another voice inside of your head, right? Or like you trust your gut or you're with like whatever you want to call it. And so I always think of like this process of healing and mastering your life or whatever you want to call it is really more of like unlearning than it is learning anything. Exactly. Like you said, like when we were kids, like we all knew how to do this stuff. Like we were amazing at manifesting and like we loved ourselves and we expressed ourselves and then society gets to us. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's like, you can look at your subconscious mind because usually it's, it's essentially like six or seven years old or, um, or imagine it as a toddler. So like, how would you talk to a toddler? Like if you want them to do something, you, you know, you're calm and you're patient with them because you know, they're not going to listen. <laughs> they're like, whatever, <laughs> run around. So you want to talk to your subconscious mind that way. You want to talk to yourself that way, your inner child. That's what your subconscious mind is. And especially if it's like, you have this child driving the car they're responsible for everything. So you want to be gentle. You want to be kind. You want to be patient. And you also want to be repetitive and don't send mixed signals. Because if one afternoon you're like, don't eat um, ice cream before your lunch, but then the next day you're like, eat the ice cream before your lunch, your subconscious, your, so the toddler you is going to be very confused. Like, so are we, are we doing this or not? So you ice have cream to, or no? Ice cream or no? Like, unless it's a, it's, ice cream this day, ice cream that, not that day. You know, you have to be clear, you have to be patient, and you have to be repetitive in order to get this information across. What hypnosis does is take, it takes like the repetition and, and collapses the time. 
so now like you make it very clear you imprint on your subconscious you like ice cream on tuesdays only <laughs> you know and then they take that in right so they know that and and then also imagine like when you were younger like one of the worst days of your life or a day where you felt like that was a turning point in how you saw yourself in the world. Now imagine if someone came, like you came, adult you came and said, look, it's gonna be all right. You deserve everything that you want. Everything's gonna, you're okay. This is not, this is not your fault. And they did that for an entire year. Every day this person would come, everything's gonna be all right. You deserve everything that you want. It's not your fault for a year how different would your life be oh gosh so different I mean once again I got chills just thinking about (laughs) how powerful that would be and you know I was even thinking when you said that if I had a future me come to me right now you know a future me 20 years in the future and tell me in my moments that I don't feel good the same thing like everything's gonna be okay like can you I mean I can't even imagine how incredible that would be and it's like but we have that power Mm -hmm. right? Like we have that power in every single moment to be that person for ourselves, for our inner children, for our subconscious mind, for us when we reconnect to ourselves. And, you know, that's something that you can do whether or not you, you know, go under hypnosis, I'm assuming, right? You can always be there for, for that version of you. Exactly. Yeah. And what hypnosis does is just makes it automatic Mm. because, you know, that saying in the back of your mind, that's what hypnosis does. It puts it in the back of your mind. So when you then, when you're thinking in the back of your mind, not here. It's true. <laughs> like it's no monster in the closet. It's clean and clear. It's organized. Yep, it's happening for you. You're gonna hit your goals. We're back here. <laughs> would you say, just speaking of that, uh, you know, the getting in touch with your inner child? Would you say hypnosis helps a lot with self love? Um, because that's, that's kind of what it sounds like this whole process is. It is. And I, I know that when, when I was like looking for, I know when people are looking for money, people are looking for, um, like stay motivated or sleep even, it all starts with loving yourself. Mm-hmm. If you love yourself, then of course you want, you deserve more money, right? If you love yourself, yeah. of course you deserve to get a nice, good night's rest. Of course you deserve to be in a great relationship. It all starts with self-love. Because then you're thinking from the place that you deserve it. And then you think that you, it's possible for you to have it. Right. And that's what all manifestation is. It's truly yeah. believing that it's already yours, that you deserve it. And you're right. You can't do that without self-love. And I know that so many people struggle with learning to love themselves. And I think that's really powerful looking at it through this lens and understanding that you don't need to learn how to love yourself. You need to, you need to learn how to unlearn everything else that blocks you from the, the love that's already there. Yeah. Right? And that's what hypnosis can help you with. And it's, and then people shouldn't feel bad because it's by design. Like that's why we start school at such a young age. You know, we don't start going to school in at, at age 10 or age 11 because it's less, it's not as easy to start to program us or control us. And essentially what school and society does is it, it, and it's designed that way. So things are 
easier to control and you know no one's run, running amok we have these rules we have these laws but these aren't natural to us like <laughs> we weren't reading handbooks in the womb like okay so what I, uh, <laughs> like okay so parallel part like you know you learn all that <laughs> like come out and like people teach you what's going on like what's the deal yeah and so the easy and then a lot of times um, it was, used to be our parents, but now they kind of took that out of our parents' hands and put into schools. So you have this stranger that's not really related to you, and you're trying to bet on them giving you all this information. So they're, they're really not even there to share, um, like, the beauty in life. They're really there to just tell you what to do and how to act. That's what school yeah. is for, what to do and how to act and, and where you fit in society. And so a lot of times... It, you know, it's it's one size fits all. It's nothing's custom to you. No one's gonna say, oh, so this is your purpose, okay? You know, you may have um, everyone has like that special teacher that maybe like they can count on, but that's not usually the case. So you have this very like law basic outline, and it's there for a purpose to make you either a good citizen or um, or good um, a good worker or or just that's it like it's not some schools are designed for leaders but that's usually for um the higher class right the higher class the schools are designed for you to be a leader because that's supposed to be your role but for regular folks it's like you're supposed to be a good citizen so you shouldn't feel bad that you have this programming because it's by design it's on purpose like this you've been brainwashed already you've been taught to not look at self or to love your or to love society more than you love yourself because mm -hmm. if you had this like huge amount of self-love at age 15 imagine <laughs> a teenager with self-love what wow <laughs> what a world this this would be <laughs> yeah, like, i don't want to go to class i don't need this like i don't want to you know like i just want to do this so they're like no we need you to <laughs> be feeling confused so you can yeah. look for direction and it's only what a hundred years in education or 200 years of it no 100 years of education in the school systems so it's really brand new it's not natural it's not how we came to earth so you should not feel bad if you didn't do well in school. You shouldn't feel bad if you felt out of place. You should feel bad if now you're like, I do want to find myself because that is actually natural. You're, how you feel now is actually natural. And I feel, think that um, the millennial generation is when we started, because we started to feel a lot of depression and feel anxiety and stuff because we know that this isn't really how things are supposed to go. It's not natural. So when it, anxiety and all this stuff is is a reaction to this this constriction, and Gen Z is like, what is this mess? Like, no, I don't want to do this, and that's okay. You you're not a rebel. You're a human being. So you not wanting to go to school or wanting to work nine to five makes sense. The people that are just by are other people just because other people are doing and buying into it does not make you a weirdo doesn't make you a black sheep doesn't make you anything that makes you a human being with a soul and a brain <laughs> that right. you know and a lot of times this has to be something that happens to wake people up because we are we kind of just take it on because it's easier to be in this automatic 
way. When you want to change, then you got to start thinking and feeling. It's and hard. Doing. Yeah. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah, it definitely is. But when, it's hard. Yeah. When you get to the other side, it's like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> now, right. And, and it's like, and a hack to do that is to just find like-minded people, which is available online. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think right now, a lot of people are awakening, right? Like you said, sometimes something needs to happen. And I think right now, everything going on in the world is that something for a lot of people who are suddenly waking up and realizing everything that you've just said. Yeah, you live in like, this broken society that's brainwashed you to think there's something wrong with you and there's not. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's so funny, especially, well, it's not funny, it's, it's just interesting, especially with now, with Black Lives Matter movement, the protests are happening. So I have a mixed, I have a mixed group of friends and my white friends are like, man, racism! <laughs> Crazy, huh? I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just sit around. been here been here yeah. it's just like but you you're like yeah i'm fine but as a whole you know i i don't represent the entire <laughs> black race but yeah. essentially if you look at what's going on outside of our bubble um outside of our town because i either live in new york or la like i'm not in um the midwest mm -hmm. and also um my socioeconomic background also protects me from being in neighborhoods where it's over police because I lived in nice neighborhoods. So then the police are more in lower income neighborhoods and they over police it. So I never really had interaction with the police like that. And usually when, if I'm pulled over as a woman, I could just say, Oh yeah, you know, and that's it. And mm -hmm. I never really have trouble, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So now right. we're kind of like the veil is being lifted but it's always been there, but we just did not have time to look. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's kind of like awake and looking at the same time. Yeah. And we don't have anything to distract us from it. It's just like, this is it, you Can't know? Be avoided. Yeah, and that is part of it, I think, because like you said, like it, it's painful, right? It's mm -hmm. painful. And any kind of transformation once again, like we said, is going to be hard and it's going to be painful and you can't just avoid the hard, painful parts. Yeah. Right. We have to see all of the parts, even the hard ones, the painful ones that we really don't want to look at. And that's what's like you said, that's what's happening is there's nothing else to distract us. And people are having, you know, mass awakenings on so many different levels, especially right now around around racism. And, you know, there's something else that I remember you said, I don't know if it was in a video or a training or one of your posts, but you said um, you're not racist. Your brain is. I think that was the quote. And that really hit me as well. If you want to maybe expand on, on what that means. Yeah. So essentially, um, and so I have the Kindred Culture Manual. So I do a brief history on race because we have this idea that racism has been here for, for um, all time that's not the case. Racism was created in order to um, uphold capitalism. So, in, and then it's this, the U.S. is really important that we really focus on the U.S. history because the U.S. has been the model for racism across um, the world or anti-Blackness specifically because they brought people from Europe and there are people from Africa that were indentured servants and also slaves, right? But then they were freed after a certain point and they were allowed to vote and they were allowed to just be a part of society. And as they began to conquer more 
parts of the US from the native peoples, they needed more labor, right? And it's, they needed cheap labor because they were conquering as quickly as possible. And so they, they brought more people from Europe, but then people started to rise against it uproar in, in their home countries in Europe. And so they're very close vicinity to them. So they're like, oh gosh, they're complaining about us <laughs> having slaves. And so since they started, they said, okay, we're gonna stop doing that. And then the white slaves and indenture service and the black slaves and indenture service combined and there was an uprising. It's the Battle of Bacon. And they realized that, okay, so we got these people in Europe complaining and then we got these people uprising what can we do to control this but also maintain cheap labor so they're like, okay let's divide them since like they're from europe so people from european descent have started to get more privileges and um and they separate them and so they started to create um conflict within the groups so it's like they were so poor white people can have the privilege of being white so it's like, are you happy? You got that, right? It's cool. And they're like, all right, yeah, cool. As long as we can have land and do this. So they, so they bought them off and then they started to create this um, propaganda. And then they realized, okay, we can get really cheap labor from Africa. And so they started to do that. But then as the slaves were here and they became family with, and they started to like, the community started to form again. They're like, no, we have to keep them separate. How do we keep them separate? They're different people than us. So they started to use religion as the basis. They're like, they don't, they don't follow, um, they don't know God in Africa. So they actually don't have souls. So people are like, oh my God, they don't have souls. <laughs> so now they, so that was able to schism. But as people started to separate from religion, they were like, okay, how about science? It's like, oh yeah, look, they have different noses, they have different color, they have different hair, like they're totally different, they're not human. And so they had to create this schism. And so they continued this schism and this history of Black people not being the same or being enough or as equal so they can have the excuse to treat them poorly and to use them as labor racism is based on capitalism it's not really it's nothing else but that they needed to keep these things in place so no one would feel bad that they were using them for free labor and so then slavery ended and they became free but they still needed labor cheap labor so then they started to police them for little things like chewing gum or being out after dark and so the U.S. has this history of using race to control, but it's what people need to understand is that it's taught to us. So you, when you're born, you need to buy into the system. And so as a Black person, when you're born, you need to buy into the fact that you have to listen. And a white person you're born, you have to be born into the fact that you listen as well. And so you're on two sides, but it's the same coin, the coin of oppression. Because as a white person, you now have, it's like, like say, so I use an example. Um, if you're a white man, right? And all of a sudden you wanted to be the best African hair braider and you, your fingers are like magical. You can make the most beautiful braids. You can slip back, you could do anything, but people would look at you weird. Like you couldn't really do that. You can't do that. You have to mm -hmm. do this. No, you can't do that. So racial equality 
is really freedom for everyone. Freedom from these categories and these constraints that we were born into and taught. Like you, so you have to talk a certain way because you're a white woman, right? And then are you a woman? Like, how do you identify? It's like, people are telling us what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to be, where we fit in. Like, I, you know, it's, it's all these constraints based on this fabricated system put in place for, for the rich, for the elite. And then we're all trying to kind of reach this, this elite level because we know once we reach that elite level, we'll have freedom. But what if we were free in general? We wouldn't, there wouldn't be like this striving for the, this look or this lifestyle or this because you're free. So you could do exactly what you want. And so I feel like that is what we're moving towards now um unlearning these biases unlearning how we see the world and see groups of people based on skin color gender sexuality nationality all these things we're learning that or unlearning that it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day it's so because i was thinking i was like man i probably like miss so many funny shows or movies because i don't speak that language you know, like mm-hmm. my love, the love of my life could be somewhere. And I don't just, <laughs> like, that's why I'm single though. <laughs> uh, but it's just like, you know, and then you think about it and then you can't, even with dating, it's like, you have, it's, it's like, oh wait, do I even want to deal with the drama if I date outside my race? Like, like, it's crazy that you have all these restrictions on who you can love, who you could be, like how you can express yourself. Like, based on what your external, what skin costume you decide to wear you came here, right. you know? It's, totally. And, and I think what a lot of what you're saying that's important, that I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of this can be subconscious. So you might not be saying like, oh, but that's not me. I don't believe that stuff, you know? But it doesn't matter what you're saying consciously if your subconscious mind has learned this just the same way we talked about everything else that your subconscious mind learns, right? And so it's it's really much more than what you're consciously aware of. And there are these videos with, um, there are white women that people have been reporting acting crazy. And when you go back to them, they're like, that's not even my belief system. They say that, they said, that's not even me. I'm not racist. But the way that you acted there, that was a subconscious response to something. So it's there. And then they look at themselves in the video and they're like, I don't recognize myself. One lady just like start cursing and using um, slurs and all this stuff. And she's like, I have black friends. I do this and do that. But subconsciously that was there, you know? And there was a comedian, I think he was on Seinfeld, right? And he was doing a set and some, it was a black person heckling him. And he just then went off like his subconsciously just like went off and blacked out and just like started to curse at him and use slurs mm-hmm. and then he's like that's not even me like i have black friends and it's like but the thing is that has been programmed into us and then even with my clients of color and my black clients there is this anti-blackness that's in all of us so it's like almost where I have a client that wants to like, she's like, oh, I want to get my nails up, but I'm going to wear short because I don't want people to think like I'm a boquisha. 
and it's like your name's Rachel though so <laughs> like what's good for your book Kleesha if you want to get like get the glitter on your hands girl <laughs> it's okay so we have this in our minds or all of us have this system have been taught this and these little nuances through media through what we learn in school through how we see people treat our parents treat us everything and then that's all calculated and put into a nice book in in the back of our minds we have that book everyone everyone buys into it so that's why like I'm, I could be fine. I could have like a collect, I could have a thousand black millionaires that I know, but that still not, doesn't mean that there's not an issue because it is something that we're born into and it's systemic and institutionalized. Unless we make it where we can heal this generation and we raise anti-racist children, then there's going to always be a, a frequency of hate based on outer appearances. And then too, oftentimes people end up trusting the wrong people just because of their outer appearances. Because people, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing because they know that you'll trust them based on this outer appearance and they take advantage of it. Yeah, totally. And I think what my biggest takeaway from everything you've said, which first of all, thank you for laying it out the way you did. That was just so, I love the way you explained it. You really made it easy to digest. And I think the biggest takeaway is to understand that it's not enough to just have awareness, right? Like everyone's waking up right now and that's great, but we need to take it a step further and begin the unlearning process. And that's for every single person while I'm speaking for white people and saying like, it is our job now to understand that whether or not you think you are a racist, like you still have racism within your subconscious mind, whether or not you want it there, whether or not you're a good person or whatever it is that you want to say. And that's a huge realization I've had is, okay, I need to also do this work. And um, I think that's extremely important for everyone to understand if you're listening to this. And I'm also curious, is hypnosis something that can also help with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with hypnosis, I've been using it for, um, for anti-blackness and um, internalized racism. And then I used it for two clients, one for racism and homophobia, and then another client for um, xenophobia. Mm. So, yeah. So it's, it's because it's, it is something that like, yes, we were taught it, but then we were taught it at a certain age where it became programmed and became part of our subconscious. So that means in order to unlearn it and remove it, we got to go just as deep. So you can do this with constant work and constant um, cautious attitudes over the years, but it could be a lot easier with hypnosis. And then when you, and the start of anti-racism is going going within yourself everything starts with, with healing because when you love yourself you you really can't tap into hate so much you know yeah like if you if you're too busy loving yourself like you really can't tap into that frequency of hate so it kind of so once you remove this frequency of hate then you can look at the facts and information and you can receive it. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then you have it. And then you start to see the world completely differently. You have that mental and emotional and soul freedom. And so then you want to, then you act from that place. So you can't really, um, 
you'll be more comfortable to, to say certain things, to speak up, to interact, to be certain places. And you can also be in a place to listen because, and then relearn like racial etiquette or the fact that there is racial etiquette involved. And, um, you're just, you're in a better place to receive the information because I know like I see a lot of people doing diversity inclusion workshops, but it's like, you know, a three-hour workshop versus 30 years of programming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they'll act, they'll behave a certain way in the workplace, but you want this to be natural to the people that you work with because then it's seamless, it's effortless. You don't, you save a lot of money. If you're, if you're someone with a startup and you're listening to this, you save a lot of money <laughs> without having to worry about, um, sexism racism any of the isms because people are coming from a, a honest place a place of love and it's just it's a completely different environment and completely different energy i call it conscious culture training because we embrace our differences because yeah. because yeah, the problem is that we we want people to be similar to us because we've bought into the matrix. We've bought into being this certain way and where we fit in society. So when someone comes and they look different from us and you don't know where they're supposed to sit, it's like it's <laughs> short circuit and that gives you a headache. And then you're like, I hate this person. They're giving me a headache. So when you either, we remove these like boundaries and these biases, you can take people for who they are. And you're like, oh, cool. This is what it is. People need others to tell them where they belong and they need to gauge or compare themselves to others to see where they fit in and if they're doing all right. What if you already know that you're doing all right, that you're not looking at other people for that knowledge or that information or to see where you fit in because you don't need to fit in. Right. That's so powerful. And you know, what you were saying about, you know, when you have love for yourself, it's harder to hate others. And that once again, I literally don't even know how many times I've gotten chills talking to you. You're just like so on point with everything you're saying, but that really resonates with me because the way I like to think of it is like, we're all one energy, right? Like you said, like we all chose different body suits when we incarnated here, like as souls, but we're all the same energy. We're made out of the same energy that the universe is made out of. And so everyone is a reflection of you, the way I think of it. And so when you have hate for others, you're literally just hating a part of you. Right. And same thing when you love others, you're it's self-love. It's, it's all the same thing. There is no separation between hate of others and hate of yourself, love of others and love of yourself. So when you're doing this unlearning work, this is not just an act of love for others, but also an act of love for yourself because there is no difference between that. So it is necessary, even if you're just like, okay, but I just want to work on my own healing process and loving myself, but it's all the same thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because I know that as people um, are working on their anti-racism and working on this work, you know, they, they may be dealing with depression, they may be dealing with a sick um, family member or raising their kids and doing all this stuff. And that's why I say that hypnosis is a great way to do it because then it becomes natural. It's not something that you have to like, oh, let me check my email and then read some anti-racism um, article. It's like, it's just something that you do, just like checking your email. It becomes subconscious, automatic. Like when, you're, you're, when your child asks you a question, you, you could reply to them from a place of truth. Right. 
Totally. And I think that is so important for every person. And if people are listening and they're like, yes, I need this, um, you know, how can they, I'm assuming you, you do offer these kinds of hypnosis sessions for people. How, what kind of sessions do you offer? How can people find them or find you if it's something that they're interested in? Sure. So um, on Ford Institute, fwrdinstitute.com, you have the booking link and then it takes you to my sessions page. And so this session is for, it says racial healing and ancestral healing. So essentially, so essentially you're healing in order to become anti-racist. And so that's the session. And then I also, if you're a coach or um, a healer or practitioner, I have the um, kindred coaching kit. And so the kit has um, how to create an inclusive business. And then it also has the master your biases brain training. So it has the hypnosis and it also has master your fear. So it gives you the courage to speak up from a place of truth. Amazing. I'll make sure I have all the links in the show notes for anyone who is interested. And I'm assuming, can you do these sessions over Zoom, the hypnosis? Yeah. Yeah. Or over online? Yeah. Yeah. All my my practice is virtual right now. So all my sessions are... um, online. It's it's an interesting learning curve. (laughs) I'm right there with you. And that's amazing. I'm sure you're going to have a ton of people reach out because I mean, I'm just blown away by everything you shared and so honored that you were here and had this conversation with me because yeah, it really moved me and resonated. And I know it's going to resonate with so many people listening. So thank you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that I could share the information because it's like, I do it, but I don't really like get a chance to talk about it as much. So. Right. And you know, I don't think I've ever had anyone come on and talk about hypnosis, you know, and any of the, any of the different aspects of hypnosis, we've gone all over the board with the different topics, you know, but yeah, I, I've never really had someone on to discuss it. So this is going to be really powerful. And, um, you know, if people just want to connect with you on social media, what is the best way for them to do that? Um, Instagram or Twitter. I I definitely tweet a lot. (laughs) Um, Instagram is great. I post a lot of tips. And then on Twitter, I have a thread, an ongoing thread of subconscious mind hacks that you can tap into. Perfect. Amazing. So I'll make sure we have all the links to your booking links and your Twitter and your Instagram in the show notes for everyone. So make sure you check that out and go connect with her because she is amazing, as you can obviously tell after you're listening to this episode. So thank you once again for being here. So, so, so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course.